Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 20th of June, 2012, and we are in the full moon meditation hall, New Hamlet Plum Village. In the Buddhist tradition, we speak of uh, Buddha nature in every one of us, especially in uh, Mahayana Buddhism. The Lotus Sutra confirms that everyone has Buddha nature. Everyone can become a Buddha. What does it mean? It means that uh, every one of us has the seed of understanding and compassion in us. And uh, this is not a question of belief. This is a, a practice of recognition because uh, we do have the seed of understanding and compassion in us. Each of us has proved that uh, in the past we, there are times when we were able to understand and able to be compassionate. <coughs> Only that uh, that the power to understand and to be compassionate uh, um, has not uh, been uh, developed to the degree that we, we want. We have not cultivated the seed of understanding and compassion enough. We know that the seed of understanding and compassion in us is uh, in us. But maybe we have not cultivated enough so that these uh, two seeds can become stronger and can provide us with more energy of understanding and compassion. There is no doubt that we have these two seeds in us, the provisions, the capacity to understand, the capacity to love, to be compassionate. And we know that happiness is made of these uh, kind of energies, understanding and compassion. Yeah. Understanding and compassion bring peace, contentment, and allow us to be connected with uh, other living beings on earth. So each of us has to remind ourselves that I am capable of understanding. This is not uh, auto-suggestion. This is not uh, wishful thinking. But this is the truth. I am capable of understanding. I am capable of compassion. I can I can look with compassion. I can listen with compassion. And each of us has to remind ourselves of that, to repeat that to ourselves. I am capable of understanding. I am capable of uh, compassion. Because there is a Buddha in me. And with my practice, I would 
gave the Buddha a real chance to grow. The safest place to find a Buddha is within. Because the seat, the seeds of Buddhahood is there. You can always think in such a way that compassion is possible in our way of thinking. Right thinking is the kind of thinking that, uh, that can produce compassion. When something is unpleasant, when you hear something unpleasant, you can see something unpleasant, you feel something unpleasant, the habit energy may push you to act in such a way that is not compassionate enough. So when we remember that we are capable of uh, compassion, we are capable of understanding, we don't react like that anymore. We want to be our best. We can react with compassion, with understanding. And mindfulness helps us to do so. We don't, be, we don't have to be hurry, in a hurry. We can take time in order to respond, to respond to whatever happens in our daily life. Especially when we encounter something unpleasant, when we hear something unpleasant, when we see something unpleasant. If the habit energy comes and push us to respond with anger, and discrimination, we say, no, I don't want to be victim of this uh, habit energy. I want to react with compassion, I, because I am capable of uh, compassion. <coughs> I want to act with uh, understanding, because I, I have the seat of uh, understanding. So, the practice is, uh, there is a habit, is uh, the energy of habit in us. And uh, we used to react not with compassion, but not with understanding. But as a practitioner, we know that we can do better. We will not do uh, automatically. There's the ancient uh, neural pathway that leads us to react without compassion and understanding. And you want to change. And that is why we should practice. And we can decide that from now on, when I feel something unpleasant, when I hear something unpleasant, when I see something unpleasant, I will not react with anger, irritation. I will not uh, want to punish, because that is the old way, the way that has brought a lot of suffering to me and to other people. So we take time to breathe, and one in-breath can make a whole difference. 
one impress taken in mindfulness can change the whole situation. One whole in-breath, one in-breath that may last three or four seconds can bring our mind home to our body, can help us recover our sovereignty. I am myself. I am not a victim. And uh, that in-breath help you to release and you become a free person. Freedom is just three, four seconds. You are free. And you see that there are many ways to respond to the same event. Just, not just one way. There are many ways to respond to the same event. And I want to respond in such a way they can make me happy, they can make him, her happy, this, the world happy. And respond with compassion and understanding. And every one of us is capable of doing so. So I tell myself that next time when I feel something unpleasant, I see something unpleasant, I hear something unpleasant, I would not react right away, basing on my habit energy. I want to be free. I will take time to breathe in. And one in-breath can bring understanding, can bring compassion. And I can respond with compassion, with understanding. I am a continuation of the Buddha. This is possible, and that does not take a lot of time. That's why we do. And we create a new habit. The old habit was there. We recognize it. We smile to it. We are not angry at it. But we know that there are many other ways to respond that are much better. And you are learning in order to respond with freedom. So one in-breath made in mindfulness can bring you a lot of freedom. And you can see that there are so many ways to respond to the same kind of event. <coughs> and we know very well that um, true happiness is made of understanding and compassion. In this 21-day retreat, there were times when we sit together, either inside or outside. We did not say anything. We did not hear anything. Just sit together inside. And there are beautiful moments. There are happy moments. We, we did not think, we did not say anything. We just sit down together as a group on the grass uh, in the meditation hall, not doing anything, not saying anything. And yet these are the best moments of our retreat. We feel the energy of peace, the energy of mindfulness, the energy of togetherness, harmony. And we know that 
We don't need to buy. We don't need money to buy them. We do not, we do not need power or fame or wealth in order to have that kind of happiness. Together, we can produce the, these moments of happiness because there is peace, there is understanding, there is compassion, there is a brotherhood, sisterhood. And practitioners like us have the duty to produce the energy of happiness, the energy of peace, the energy of understanding and compassion. And when we go home, we know that we can set up a Sangha, we can improve the quality of our Sangha, so that our Sangha can produce the same kind of energy. Just sit together and breathe and smile, whether we sit inside or outside. And when we are able to produce the energy of compassion, of love, happiness is there. And that is what the world would need the most. And we don't need power, fame, wealth in order to, to produce these energies. We are a good continuation of the Buddha. When we, uh, when we walk, we can work in such a way that every step can produce uh, understanding and compassion, awareness, and happiness is created with every step. And we know that uh, thinking is something very productive, creative. The thinking most of the time are not productive, are useless. So reduce the thinking and increase the feeling. We have direct access to nature, to our body, to Mother Earth. And the feelings we get by being in touch can nourish us can transform us, can heal us. That is why walking, sitting, uh, cooking, driving, we should not be possessed by our thinking. We are more alive when we stop our thinking. When we stop our thinking, we might have more chance to be in the here and the now. I think therefore I'm lost. I'm not there not to live my, my, my life. In Plum Leisure we speak of the four attainments. Although we know that there is no attainment, but we still speak about four attainments, the fruit of our practice. The first fruit is and um, to to bear peacefully.
And that is the kind of fruit that we have to attain. The first kind of fruit. It means we feel comfortable where we are. We don't need to to move to another place. We don't need to be doing something else. Sitting, you enjoy sitting. Walking, you enjoy walking. Being here, you enjoy being here. Uh, brushing your teeth, you enjoy brushing your teeth. Ang too. Ang means uh, peace, peaceful dwelling. Years ago, Thay wrote a poem called Froglessness. Frog, frog is an animal. And in Vietnamese, there is, a, there is a, a saying that uh, you take a plate and you put a frog in inside. And very soon the frog will jump out of the, of the plate. It cannot stay long in in one place. Uh, many of us are like that. <laughs> we are not comfortable where we sit. We are not comfortable where we stand. We, can, we are not comfortable where we find ourselves. We feel that this is not my place. I will be happier if I am elsewhere. If I am doing other things. So there is no peace. You want to change, you want to, to be something else, someone else. You stand on the top of one mountain and you think that the, uh, the mountain is more beautiful. <laughs> you have a partner, you think that the partner of the other person is more beautiful. So we have the nature of a frog. We want to jump. We don't. We are not dwelling peacefully here. So the first fruit that you have to attain is froglessness. <laughs> froglessness. <laughs> Everyone of us has the nature of frog, frogness. We want to jump. We want to be otherwise. We don't know that our body, ourselves, is a wonder already. The lotus flower does not want to become another flower. To be a lotus flower is wonderful. To be a rose is wonderful also, but to be a lotus is also wonderful. So you are at peace with yourself. Oh. You are content as who you are. You have Buddha nature. You have the capacity to understand, to love. You can make happiness. You can offer happiness. When you are happy with yourself, you are beautiful. Be beautiful, be yourself. And the first attainment that we should uh, realize is 
to be content, to be, to deal happily uh, uh, where you are. And that can increase a lot the amount of happiness that we have. The attainment of frocklessness, of of the fruitation of uh, dwelling peacefully. And you don't need someone to tell you whether you have attained it. You don't need more money. You don't need more fame. You don't need more profit. That those who have a lot of money or a lot of fame, they are not happy. I'd like to tell you the story of Odette Lara that famous uh, movie star in uh, Brazil. I was uh, giving a a retreat in uh, San Francisco. And I did not know that she was there sitting in the front row. After I went back to France, she wrote me a letter. She said, hey, do you remember the blonde, blonde lady who sit in the front row? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that uh, my tree was entirely dead, dead. When I came to the street, I thought that my tree, I'm a tree. I think my tree is completely dead, because I did not feel any desire anymore. I didn't want anything anymore. She was a very famous uh, movie star. But suddenly this morning, I woke up, and I realized that my tree is not dead, because one new sprout just came. I had a desire this morning. And what is the desire to translate your book, The Miracle of Mindfulness? (laughs) To offer that to the young people in my country. I think if they practice according to that, they will suffer less. They will begin to be happy. That is why this morning I know that I am not dead yet. I am alive. So would you please give me the permission to translate in it and uh, to, uh, to publish in uh, Brazil. <coughs> and they responded, they said, yes, you can translate. And uh, you can also take uh, the royalties in order to distribute to the hungry children in Brazil. And she had a lot of joy uh, translating and diffusing that book. And she reported that how much money the book has uh, produced in order for her to go and uh, to help uh, the hungry children in the area. And she took a lot of pleasure uh, practicing and doing that kind of thing. And we allowed her to continue to translate other books. And all the royalties are for the distribution to hungry children in Brazil. 
And later on, she invited us to Brazil and to organize retreats. And she learned that uh, understanding and compassion. The retreat was organized by the San Francisco Zen Center. And she went to that retreat and uh, she was able to find out uh, the practice of mindfulness and that can uh, restore her, uh, her joy to live. So uh, we had to remember that generating the understanding and of understanding, the, the, the energy of understanding and compassion is, uh, is uh, the practice and that uh, can bring us joy, happiness, and that can help uh, other people to suffer less, to become, uh, to enjoy their life. And that understanding can help us to, uh, to obtain uh, the first uh, fruit of the practice, dwelling peacefully in the here and the now. The second fruit is Dave uh, Datai. I have uh, arrived. I have arrived, I'm home. When you have obtained the second fruit, you know you are comfortable in the here and the now. You are not longing for something anymore. You don't think that uh, you need more conditions in order to be happiness. You can be happy right in the here and the now. You are aware that there are so many conditions of happiness that are available, more than enough. You are much luckier than many people. And if you are happy, you can be very helpful to other people. Happiness is the foundation for one to serve and to help other people to suffer less and to be happy. So when you have attained the second fruit, you don't run anymore after an object of your desire. Even that is a uh, including the object of, of desire called fame, or power, or sex, or, or wealth. Every day we sing, I have arrived, I'm home. But that is only singing. We have to practice. <laughs> we have to practice so that every step helps us to arrive in the here and the now, and to enjoy 
the wonders of life. Every in-breath and out-breath help us to arrive in the here and the now so that we can, uh, we can get in touch with uh, the ultimate, with uh, the wonders of life around us that have uh, the, the capacity to heal, to nourish, and to transform. And if we do better, we can touch also the nature of no birth and no death, of our body, of our mind, of uh, everything else. In the ultimate ideal, it means I can touch Nirvana. I can touch uh, my nature of no birth and no death. That cloud, who is uh, on the point of being transformed into rain, she might be scared. She thinks that she's going to die. But if she, she practices, she knows that it's impossible, impossible for her to die. She can become rain or snow or ice, but she cannot die. And if she gets that kind of insight, she will not be scared. She will say that to be a cloud floating in the sky is very nice. But to be the rain falling on the field and become a river, that is also wonderful. So she touched uh, her nature of no birth, no death. So if a cloud can do that, we can do that also. In the here and the now, we live deeply. We touch the wonders of life in us and around us in order to nourish and to heal us. And if we, we touch deeper, we will touch also the ultimate, and the nature of no birth and no death, and remove all kind of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety is a price that the human being has to pay for his civilization. And in the song, we sing, uh, I have arrived, I am home, in the here and the now. I am solid. I am solidly anchored in the here and the now. I am free. I am free from the things that try to pull me away from the here and the now. In the ultimate ideal, it means I can go deeper. I can touch the nature of no birth and no death in me. And the wave can live her life as a wave. But she can do better. She can live the life of water at the same time. And when she knows that she is water, she's not afraid of being a non-being anymore. And going up, she enjoys. Going down, she enjoys also. So to be a wave and to be water at the same time is possible. The third is tương tức interbeing. When in our daily life we look at ourselves, we look at our of uh, everything around us with the insight of interbeing. We interact. When we do work meditation, we see a tiny flower. 
and you get in touch with the tiny flower. It's a wonder of life. It's like ourselves. And what is the relationship between me and that tiny flower? The relationship is very close. In the beginning, we may think that the tiny flower is outside of us, and I am outside of the tiny flower. But the reality is not like that. It's inside of me, and I'm inside of her. If I lost my smile, the little flower will keep it for me. I'll get back later on. Nothing is lost. When you look at uh, reality with that kind of eyes, with that kind of uh, attitude, as a scientist, you, you can find the same thing. You can touch the reality of no inside, no outside, no this and that. This and that into R. Without this, there's no that. Without that, there's no this. Like the left and the right. So the third fruit that you can obtain with the practice is the kind of meditation that helps you to touch the nature of interbeing. You cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interbeing with all of us. It's like the left telling the right. You cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interbeing with me. And I cannot be by myself alone. I have to interbeing with you. There will be peace between the right and the left. And the fourth attainment we talk in publish is voting. Voting is no, no birth. There is a misunderstanding about votion, no birth. People can say that, well, this, this life is the last. I will not be reborn again. And that kind of understanding of votion is not correct. Who will be born, not reborn again? <laughs> You believe in a self, and that self will not be reborn again. That is not Buddhism. So no birth, it means no birth and no death. This is uh, only uh, a symbol. When, when the Buddha speaks of eyes, he does not speak only of eyes. Eyes represent nose, tongue, body, mind. When the Buddha say form, he does not mention form alone. Form, sound, smell, touch, and so on. So no birth means no birth, no death. No being, no non-being. No coming, no going. No sameness, no otherness. It means that you touch the ultimate. Usually, we can touch only the phenomenal world where things seem to have a birth, a death, a coming, a going. Things seem to be exist outside of each other. But with the meditation on interbeing, you go deeper. And you see that nature, the true nature of things are no birth and no death. No being and non, no non, non-being. 
even uh, physical, uh, physics, modern science, have found that. The, the first uh, law of thermodynamics. You, understand? you cannot matter and energy. They have no beginning. They have no end. So matter and energy, their nature is no birth and no death. This is a good point of beginning between Buddhism and modern science. And it can go very far, beginning from there. It's very solid ground. No birth and no death. If you accept no birth and no death, you accept no being and no non-being. And you are freer, much freer. That is the conditioned and the non-conditioned. Samskrita and Asamsitta, who we the world of uh, conditioned uh, phenomena. And if you touch uh, the conditioned Dharma deeply, you touch uh, the world of uh, non-conditions. This is a uh, Samskrita Dharma. This is uh, an Asamskrita Dharma. So this uh, attainment is uh, Nirvana. You are able to touch the nature of no birth and no death, your own nature of no birth and no death. And you are free from the notion of being and non-being. And these notions create a lot of anxiety and fear. To be or not to be. It's no longer the question. We are free from the three, two notions, as you are already free from the notion of birth and death. It's very interesting for scientists and Buddhists to work together, beginning with that insight of no birth and no death. So, usually we believe, uh, <clears throat> the non-practitioner believe that uh, man is made of uh, two elements, the body and the soul, body and soul. And that those of us who believe that when the body disintegrates, the soul disintegrates also. Nihilism. There's nothing left. There are non-scientists, there are scientists who believe like that. That when your body disintegrates, there's nothing whatsoever left. That's the view of uh, nihilism. And that violates the law of uh, the, the, the first law of thermodynamics. And you have to remind scientists of that. If uh, you believe that, uh, <clears throat> that after, after the disintegration of the body, uh, not only the, the body is no longer there, the, that the mind is. He is no long, he also no longer there. If you think that uh, from being into, you go to, into being, you viol- violate the first law of thermodynamics. And for the, those of us who believe in reincarnation, there are those of us who believe that after the body disintegrates, the soul continues to survive. 
the same kind of soul that inhabit the body for another years. It continues intact. You go and look for another body to enter. That is not Buddhism. That idea of recognition is not Buddhism. Because in Buddhism we don't believe in something like the soul, something permanent that can exist independently from the body. In Buddhism, we know that body and mind, they inter-are. One rely on the other to manifest. Manifest only. You are free from birth and death. You manifest in this way or you manifest in the other way. And there's a series of manifestations, a continuation of manifestation. So you can be free from the notion of birth and death, beginning and end, being and non-being, just using the word manifestation. You are not a creation. You are a manifestation. Do, does the soul exist? Uh, there are many people who say that Buddhism um, does not consider the soul to be existing. But you have to examine, de- determine, to define what is the soul. If you understand soul as uh, the presence of feelings, perceptions, mental formation, and consciousness, and then the soul exists. But if you think that the soul is uh, something that can exist uh, independently from the body and remain always the same, uh, we don't believe in such a thing. Because according um, to our practice and teaching, nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. So we recognize there is a body and that there are energies like feelings, perceptions, mental formation, and consciousness. And if you want to call these, uh, these manifestation so it's okay. But you have to know that soul is made only of non-soul elements. Body also is also made of non-body elements. And if uh, and everything is impermanent, it's okay to believe in a self if you you agree that a self is only made of non-self element. A self is always impermanent, so we should not be caught in words. Let us uh, turn to page um, 39 of the little booklet. This is the 44th uh, verse. The last one of the the, the gatas on the absolute truth. Chúng san yên tương tục. We also have the Sanskrit text here. 
living beings. The name of living beings means continuous stream. A continuous stream. Living beings is uh, us, are you, are me. All of us are living beings. And a flower is also a living being. And if we look deeply, uh, an atom is also a living being. And they have Buddha nature in them also. If they don't, we don't either. <laughs> because they are made of atoms. It's a French poet who say, inanimate objects, do you have a soul? Objet inanimé, avez-vous donc une âme? Modern science are about to discover that uh, atoms and subatomic uh, particles, they are intelligent. They are done down with consciousness, not the kind of consciousness that we, uh, we are acquainted to. <laughs> the earth, our mother, is also endowed with uh, consciousness. Maybe higher form of consciousness, more direct, less discrimination than ours. Pravaha or samtati. Continuum. Everything is a continuum, like our body. Our body is not static. Our body is a river, flowing. A river made of cells. And the cells in our body they go through birth and death at every moment. So there is no self. There is no uh, permanent soul, but there is a continuation. Everything like is like a river. The river is well there, but if you look deeply, you don't see a boss. You don't see a self. There is a name, whether the name is Ganji, Ganga, uh, Garon, or Miss, uh, Mississippi. But uh, only the name remains the same. But the river always changing, always renew. You cannot take a bath, a swim twice in the same river. And the river also cannot receive to you two times because when you come back, you are a different person. So you are a stream, and the river is also a stream. When you go to the river the next time, you are not exactly the same person. And the river is not exactly the same river. So impermanence is the nature of everything. And we have to learn to look at living beings, you and me, as rivers. Not only body is a river, but feelings is a river. 
perception is reversed. And birth and death happen in every moment. And there is no permanent self that can be found in that <coughs> continuum. Cập Pháp Chúng sanh danh tương tục Living beings are the name of uh, continuous uh, streams and Pháp tưởng tương trung Pháp means uh, phenomena things because there are, there, are, there are two things. There is a self and there are things. Both the self and things, they are continuous stream. And tưởng uh, here is the perception. And what you see, you, when you perceive, is the, just the, the sign, the appearance that you see in your perception. In a perception, you recognize that is a rose, and that is a mountain, that is a bird, so there is the, the appearance of a rose, there is the appearance of a mountain, there is an appearance of uh, a bird inside of your perception. You see, like uh, the word tung means perception. It's very beautiful, tung. It's written like this. There is the sign that appears in your perception. There is the mind that are born at the same time. This is the subject, this is the object. So a perception is made of subject and object. And the object is represented by the sign. When you see an elephant, the image of the elephant appears in your perception. So things, events, phenomena are the sign that appear in your perception. And this is what we have, how we have to train ourselves to look at things and not to be caught in the idea that uh, things that I observe, that I perceive, they are independent from my consciousness. They are outside of my, my consciousness. In that we can transcend the notion of inside and outside, subject and object, which is very important for, for touching the ultimate. When you want to touch the ultimate, when you want to touch God, you have to remove all these notions, beginning, ending, inside, outside, subject and object. So living beings is the name of uh, continuous uh, streams. And, and events, phenomena, essence, are only the image that you find in your perception. This is a very condensed 
vô sanh tự lưu chuyển You believe that there is a soul that is going through birth and death. And if you and that you believe that if you practice well and then you will not be reborn again. So that understanding of Buddhism is wrong. Because there is nothing like a soul that goes through birth and death. Birth and death, they can manifest by themselves. They don't need someone who go through them. <laughs> like the birth and death of our body, of ourselves. They are extreme. It's like the waves on the ocean. They don't need someone who go through this wave to the other wave. And the ways are there, they succeed each other, succeed, succeed, succeed each other. Diệt vô nước bằng giả. And there is no one that enter into the into nirvana. This is nirvana. It is said in the in the in the in our daily talk, that if you don't practice, and then you continue to go, to float, to be carried up and down in the realm of birth and death, you have to stay a long time in the realm of birth and death. You are around samsara, the circle of samsara. You are born and then you die. You are born again and you die again. That is for someone who does not practice. And for someone who practices, they can get out of the circle of birth and death and they can go to Dirvana. And that is uh, the kind of thinking qualified as Buddhist thinking. That's not Buddhism. Because uh, there is a world of birth and death, of being and non-being, of becoming, beginning and ending. But that is superficial. And if we stay on that level, we suffer very much because we have notions like birth and death, beginning and, and ending, being and non-being. And that is why you have to practice. And we practice, when we practice, we look deeper. And suddenly, we touch the nature of no birth and no death, of all these things who are characterized by birth and death. In the beginning, our cloud is scared because she is caught in the notion of being and non-being, birth and dying. But if she looked down, she sees that she is already down there in beautiful forms, like a river, a field of corn, and so on. And she's, she knows that her nature is the nature of no birth and no death. So the time, when time comes for her to 
to be transformed into rain and to join uh, herself, part of herself down there, it can be a joyful time because she is free from the, the notion of birth and death. So, so nirvana is not something outside of samsara. Samsara, birth and death, the realm of birth and death. If you touch it deeply, you touch nirvana inside. And this is very important. The cloud can, can stay in the realm of birth and death. And the same cloud can stay in the realm of no birth and no death. And in the, the true teaching, nirvana is not found outside of samsara. Samsara is the going around of birth and death. Nirvana is some, not something outside, it is inside. So you have to look uh, for the no birth and no death in birth and death itself. And I think this is an, can be an inspiration for scientists. Because science now try to knock at the door of uh, the ultimate answer. And uh, if uh, they are not capable of releasing their notions that they have used in uh, classical science, they have no way to enter, to go through the door of the ultimate. And in the Buddhist traditions, we are instructed very carefully that in order to touch uh, nirvana, in order to touch uh, uh, the ultimate. We have to learn how to release uh, our notions. The notions of being and non-being, birth and death, and so on. So if we believe that is, there is a samsara, where people suffer going around birth and death, and that person has to get out of samsara in order to go to nirvana, where there is no birth and no death, and if you think that the two realms are two different realms, you are wrong. Nirvana can be found only in samsara. Superficially, it is samsara. But deeper, it is nirvana. So if science found, is able to find out uh, the truth of no birth and no death, that's not, not bad at all. Uh, the nature of matter and energy is the, the nature of no birth and no death. And we are made of energy. We are made of matter. And our mind is also energy. And nothing can die. Nothing can be born. <coughs> so this is an English translation. Living beings is the name of a continuous stream. And all phenomena as the object of perception are only signs in this perception. Therefore, there is no real change of birth and death into death and death into birth, and no person who realizes nirvana. We can translate like this. There is no one experiencing birth and death, and there is no one experiencing nirvana. But that does not mean that birth and death are not there and nirvana is not there. 
But the idea of itself is the main obstacle. And that is why meditating, we have to learn how to look at everything as uh, streams, as a continuous flow. We used to go to Italy for two or four retreats every two years, and there is a good uh, place for us to hold a retreat called uh, Castel Fusano. But uh, this year, we cannot use that place anymore. We have to look for another place. Last time when we were in Castel Fusano, I offered the retreatants one exercise, homework. There was a grocery store in the center. And that evening, they went to the store and bought uh, two bags of uh, corn seeds, the kind of uh, seeds that you can make popcorn. <laughs> Not because they wanted to make popcorn in his room, <laughs> but because he wanted to give a, a, a homework to the retreatants. There are about 50 or more children in the retreat. And they distributed to every child and every adult one seed of corn. And the, and the homework is to bring that seed of corn home and to plant it in a pot. It was uh, still cold, so you cannot plant it outside. So you have to plant it in, inside. And five days or ten days later, when the sprout when the corn, when the seeds sprout, it become a plant of corn. Two or three first uh, tiny leaves. And then you have to come and talk to the plant of corn. And you might like to ask the plant of corn this first question. My dear plant of corn, do you remember that at one time, you were a very tiny seed. And the plant of corn will, will, uh, will be very surprised. <laughs> she will protest. Me? A tiny seed? I don't believe it. <laughs> and you have to tell, tell her. I know because it's me who have received the seed from Thai and has planted the seed in this, in this very part. So I know that you, came, you have come from the tiny seed. And you can tell the plant, the, 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 plant, the young plant of corn, the story. I see very well that uh, I still, I can still see the tiny seed of corn that I planted in this. And it has become you. And although we don't see the seed of corn anymore, we don't see its appearance anymore, its sign anymore, but it's still alive. And I can assure you that you, you are a continuation of the seed of corn. And you are the seed of corn. The seed of corn is still alive in you. And you try to persuade the plant of corn to, to believe you. 
and you may have the luck <laughs> that uh, this, the, 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 the plan of God will, will trust you. You will grow up as a plant of corn and you will give birth to one, two or three years of corn and you will produce many hundreds of seeds of corn. You are not a self. You are a stream. You are a continuum. In you there, are, there is the Existence. There is the presence of several generations of corn. And they have lived, they have acquired a lot of experiences. They knew how to grow up, to make beautiful leaves, to produce flowers, to make beautiful years of corn. And you have learned from, from them because uh, uh, your ancestors have produced that seed of corn. And they are in that seed of corn with all their intelligence, their experience, their suffering and their happiness. So you have all your ancestors in you. You are not a self. Cut off, you are the continuation. You are a stream. And all your ancestors are in you. And so when you, when you breathe, all your ancestors breathe with you. When you smile, all your ancestors smile with you. And you can make your ancestors happy also if you know how to practice. And you are going to make, uh, to, to entrust yourself into the next generation. You will produce beautiful seeds for the future. And if you know, you can produce beautiful seeds also. So this is a kind of, um, of uh, exercise, this kind of homework that you have to do to look into yourself and see that you are not a separate self. You are your ancestors. And with the practice, you can help liberate your ancestors. You can help your ancestors to transform the habit energy in you, the suffering in you, because you have had the chance to encounter the Buddha Dharma. You can recognize your habit energy you can smile and you can act with compassion. You can act with understanding. And, and you will continue by your children and grandchildren. And your grandchildren, your children are already there in you. And if you are happy and free now, uh, that happiness and freedom are also for your children and grandchildren. And um, when Thầy went back to France, there were children who wrote to Thầy. And they sent a photograph of uh, the seed of corn and report to Thầy uh, um, uh, about their practice, their practices. So the other day, Thầy brought also a uh, plant of corn into the low hamlet, but we did not have a chance to show you the plant of corn. So this is... Uh, a kind of homework after the 21 day retreat. <laughs> you come, you will go home and continue the meditation. Look into yourself and see that you are a continuation. You are a lineage and your, all your ancestors are in you. And you have the, 
you have the duty to make your ancestors available to your children, to the next generation. And it is possible to have more freedom, more compassion, more happiness, if we know how to, how to live our daily life in mindfulness.